Hey everybody, it's Vince here from Metal Sucks. We're back with another episode of the Quarantine Cast. It's been a little while. We're not even really in quarantine anymore, I guess. We're in this weird phase. But we're still very much dealing with the effects of what's going on because of the pandemic, obviously. And the, the country is a shit show right now. Everything is upside down. Not that it hasn't been the past four years. Uh... But it seems more than ever, and uh, we're going to continue with this series in, until it's not, which is never. So, uh, you know, you're going to be stuck hearing from me for the whole time, unfortunately. But today, to talk about it, we have Jason Beeler, uh, formerly of Saigon Kick and uh, very accomplished solo artist, producer, record label owner in his own right. And uh, Jason has a new album coming out. Uh, the album is called, excuse me while I scroll awkwardly and look for it, Songs for the Apocalypse, and it's coming out on January 22nd. Uh, Jason, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Let me just first by, start by saying that the Songs for the Apocalypse title was kind of funny in March. Uh, a, a little bit too on the nose at the moment, I feel. <laughs> so this was a project that was actually born of the pandemic, or, or were these kind of ideas that have been stewing around for quite a while? I had planned on doing it towards the end of last year, January, uh, and actually started it in March. So all the songs and everything were new at that point. So um, it's amazing how a self-fulfilling prophecy that title of a record is at the moment. Yeah, for real. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I've... feeling I'll, I'll finally make my career's best record. And I'll be standing in a heap of ashes with no one to listen to it. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, man. Uh, you know, but uh, hey, you know, it's like they said, uh, the Trump years are going to be great for music, right? They said that. They were like, there's going to be some great punk rock songs coming out. And They just uh, didn't mention that we would not be <laughs> existing as a race to hear it after that, but uh, the music will be fantastic. I know, I know. I mean, at, le at least we have that. Uh, everything is, is crazy right now. You know, uh, like maybe we're going to have a new president pretty soon. Not sure. Don't really know what's going to happen seems likely but um we're still along for the ride but at least we have this record and you know and i've i've listened to it a bunch and you know you shared it with me in, in advance of release thank you for that um Thanks. you have the most insane list of guest collaborators on this like you you sent me this email and i looked at it and i was like oh my god like he literally got all of the best songwriters and singers and guitar like it's it's ridiculous like just you know for people listening who might not be familiar um just reading kind of top to bottom here uh todd latore singer of queensreich uh ron bumblefoot thal who was in guns and roses for a bit uh you know is accomplished solo artist in his own right clint lowry from seven dust benji webb from skindred pat badger from extreme butch walker uh kyle sanders from hell yeah and uh, a bunch of other bands andy black sugar who i know is a, a, a collaborator of yours from the past and and is certainly accomplished himself uh emil emil Wurstler from doth and and chimera for a bit um and uh ricky sanders for, uh, formerly from your band saigon kick and uh steve steve is a jib or gib uh formerly black label society crowbar uh, that's an insane and, and, list and son of barry gib I don't know Barry Barry Gibb. Who's Barry Gibb? The Bee Gees. Oh, the Bee Gees. That the actual Bee Gees yes. Gibb. Yes, that's Stephen is Barry Gibb's son. I mean, that might actually be the most impressive guest of all out of all of those people. That like, how did that one come about? Is he just uh, a personal acquaintance of yours? He grew up in Miami, um, and we became really close friends over the last 
chunk of years and uh, just an awesome guy and you know did some shows with Saigon Kick as a as a, a secondary guitar player for a bit and uh, you know he just worked he just produced his dad's new record that just came out with like Dolly Parton and you know Brandy Carlisle and you know wow. Jason Isbell and all that kind of stuff so yeah he's he's a good dude and super talented okay I'm not familiar with with his work in particular um, but I mean it's an interesting list because like these are people who uh, mostly not all but there's like a lot of people on here who are, are kind of like musicians, musicians, you know, if that makes sense. Like, uh, you know, Clint Lowry is one of those people like, you know, people know him mostly as a guitarist of Seven Dust. But, you know, he does a lot of production stuff, a lot of ghost writing, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, and then you've got like Butch Walker, who is uh, an extremely talented solo artist and songwriter, you know, but also is a producer for Pink. Uh, right. You know, and, uh, you know, and a lot of these like Andy Black Sugar, also somebody like that. So, like, are these somebody are these people who you've just come to know over the years? Yeah, I mean, they're all friends uh, in one way or another. And I just I'm a fan of each one of them. I mean, the big thing is, I think, you know, it wasn't so much just like having a special guest on the record is not really the most impressive thing anymore. I mean, everybody's got guests on the record. But what I'm really proud of is you have like Clay Cook, who's from the Zach Brown band, uh, who co-wrote with John Mayer's, that John Mayer's first solo record is with him and Clay. And then you have him on a record with Devin Townsend. Like that, the demented fun of pairing these people. Right, oh, I didn't even mention Devin Townsend, yeah. Right. Yeah, and David Ellison from Megadeth. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, these are all guys that are heroes and it just couldn't be happier. Don't get a chance to work with them all. I mean, that, that's so much fun. And I mean, uh, not not to be lost in all this with, with the guests, of course, is the fact that this is your record. These are your songs, uh, you know, and, and I think, in my opinion, somebody who's followed your career for a long time, they very much sound like you. Uh, you know, they've got kind of all the trademarks of your solo work, your work with Saigon Kick, uh, you know, and, and there's some really great songs. So it's it's been cool to kind of dive in and listen to those and get to know the tunes and, and listen to some of the awesome. guest appearances, uh, you know, as they come. Well, great, man. I'm glad you listened to it. You've always been cool and I appreciate, you know, the support. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super happy at the moment. I mean, like I said, the, the most fun was to get, my whole goal was to make a record with these dudes and just sit back and go like, and hear if they liked it and get the feedback from them. And my thought was like, well, beyond that, I mean, not to be disrespectful, but I, I was like, whatever, you know, I mean, whatever happens, happens. And then now to kind of find out it's on these like the, the new Spotify prog metal playlists and, you nice. know, the whole group of people are discovering it that have no idea. Like Saigon Kick must have been some kind of weird snack food people ate in the 90s <laughs> or something. They I mean, it no was kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of rewarding to get, all of a sudden find this whole, you know, at this point in my career to find a whole bunch of new people like discovering it and like it's kind of cool. Right. I mean, I have to imagine, you know, like uh, somebody like Clint Lowry is somebody, probably somebody who looked up to you, you know, as a musician when he was growing up and uh, like Butch Walker, basically a contemporary of yours, uh, you know, so like these are these are people who came up sort of with you in the scene that, you know, makes sense that you would collaborate with them on, on this level. Yeah. Mutual admiration society. I mean, I'm such a fan of what Clint does. I think his new solo record is just epic I thought he's such a great songwriter and butch i mean i could literally spend the next three hours going why i love devin townsend and why i think you know clay and kyle and you know uh, you, you, it's just a you know i kind of yeah. sit back now and when i do these some of these interviews i'm just like wow like actually this this whole thing actually happened 
like I actually got to work with all my buddies on one record. It's pretty, pretty cool. It, it really is awesome. I mean, now, I mean, you have to imagine it, you know, like, you know, like, obviously I respect the crap out of you. Like uh, some people who read Metal Sucks or, you know, any site would probably like look at this and be like, wow, like Devin Townsend's on like, you know, David Ellison. Cool. Like, who the fuck is why, this Jason Beeler guy? Why is Justin Bieber playing with, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> right. I mean, but I think that's kind of a, a cool, like, uh, you know, I know you didn't intend it this way, but like a, a badge in a way, you know, that like you've been doing this for a long time and you're a legit musician, legit songwriter, legit producer. And, and you, this is something that you were able to do and put together. I, you know, it's so funny because the last couple of years specifically have been really strange. Like even going back to like uh, Jeff Scott Soder and I were going to play uh, this Prague Power Festival in Atlanta. And that's not something I'm ever associated with. And when they were going to announce it, I'm like, I'm just going to sit on my keyboard and be ready for this avalanche of hate. You know, why, again, why is Justin Bieber playing Prague? It's a, it's a disgrace <laughs> to the flag of Prague. And all this positivity came in to the point where I was really kind of bummed because I had like 20 great replies just ready to rapid fire against people. And it never came. And uh, it just feels like, look, I mean, who knows where it leads and what happens, but it, it just feels warm and fuzzy at the moment. I'm sure the karmic wheel of death will decapitate me shortly for some reason but uh you know people have been really supportive and positive and i think sometimes maybe when we were originally starting back in the saigon kick days a lot of the diversity didn't make sense and it feels like now no one gives a shit anymore like they just want to hear cool tunes so people will listen to everything and and if it's a good tune it's a good tune and if it's not it's not and like I said, so so far the uh, the the hate has been slightly. I mean, maybe people have been focused on other things like the Capitol building. Right. But, uh, well, that's has, we we need music. You know that that's the thing. Good. Yeah. Now, have these been? Have you been working? You mentioned you started this process back in March. Were these works in progress pretty much right up until the moment that you know you had to send them off to to be printed? Or like we're, I, mean, most of the song, I mean, I started writing everything in March, and then I would say most of the songs and everything kind of were done in, in a form of basic, here's here's the idea, here's what's going on, here's the vocals, the, the, the general rhythm sense, and the general percussion sense. Um, and then I sent them off to these guys. And uh, the cool thing was, I think it would work, you know, in a dream scenario, you all sit in a studio and you work together. But I think it worked to our favor because these guys are such badasses, but they were able to go in their own studio and without me sitting over them going, you know, giving mm. them the eye and and do exactly what they do. Um, not that I would have been able to produce any of them any better than they do themselves anyway. But the freedom of not having any pressure or hearing initial feedback that kind of can deter the creative process sometimes and letting them do it however they heard it, uh, however they saw the song working. And then getting those parts back when I got them back, I was blown away because everybody just crushed it. And uh that was the fear. I was like, oh, my God, like these guys are so epic. If I get a part from somebody that's done this a massive favor for me and I don't like it, that's going to be a terrible phone call to make, you know, and so, who am I to pass judgment on someone else's work? But everybody killed it. So was that pretty much just a one way street? You know, like the song is written and, you know, it's part X is for so and so, you know, minute A to minute B. You send the files, do your thing, man, you know, and then they send it back. And uh, what it is is what it is. Or was there Anybody some like back and forth about try it? Different, try different things or, you know, whatever. But the cool thing about people like, you know, Devin or David, I mean, they bring it. They bring their A game. So it's, it's not like, you know, it's like the sports analogy. You know, if you hire great players, you tend to get great results. And uh, 
not not meaning that I hired them by any stretch, but you know, it, the the victory here was in picking badasses. So you're going to get amazing shit out of them. It's not like you're going to sit there with like, oh, what the hell is that guy thinking? For sure. Uh, um, and I got lucky. So I mean, and it wasn't even so planned out or mapped like where I was like, hey, this song is going to be for Devin. It just all became this kind of happy accident. Like I was like, oh, this is done. Let me see if Butch feels like that works. Or, you know, at one point Devin was going to play bass on something. And then he wound up, Bumblefoot wanted to take that. So Devin was like, oh, I'll play guitar on that. And it was like, it, was, it really, it's so, it came, it was done so much less organized than I think people would assume uh, in just terms of like, everyone was just like, yeah, I'll do that. Or I could do this or really laid back. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, you know, congratulations again. I mean, I think it's really cool that, that that came together and was in a way born of the pandemic. You know, this kind of thing might not have happened otherwise. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the tremendous human tragedies that have taken place uh, are just horrifying on every level. That being said, this would have never happened under normal times because no one would have been home in one chunk to have been able to do this. So the, the upside for me personally has been I've been able to do have this unbelievably rewarding creative process not to, again, like that's any more important than all the tragedy because it's not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, 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 sometimes things just work for whatever reason. Metal Sucks headline tomorrow is uh, Jason Beeler says his album is more important than the 4,000 <laughs> lives lost yeah. yesterday. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Yes. Um, Sorry no, to I... hear about that, but my, what do you think of my record? <laughs> yeah. Sorry to hear about your grandmother, but... Most importantly. What, what do you think What do you think the first single should be? Um, now, how else has the pandemic affected your life uh you know i guess professionally let's say uh you know like have you been working on other things for the past now 10 months or so or it was a lot of stuff kind of put on the shelf i'm kind of glad that i had that chunk of time to focus on doing this record initially so during the initial phases of shutdowns and chaos and how is this all going to work i was really doing what i do normally which is just wake up go into my studio work on music and i had that kind of and I was having conversations with different friends about music and things like that. So uh, I'm also generally pretty content to do that on a regular day, no matter what's going on. Um, and, you know, I, I like being home. I like hanging out with the dogs and the family. And so it, it hasn't really I mean, Jeff Soto and I had a bunch of shows we were going to do in August. And, and some of the cancellations of some of those things has been a bummer. But again, I, I, I'm about I'm on the lucky side of all that. So it's like. For, to hear me complain about, yeah, and then I had to wait a week to get my refrigerator delivered. It's just not exactly the kind of a tragedy that is worth even talking about. I, I had to wear a mask when my refrigerator delivery man came. It was really yeah. difficult. I made him drop it off in the driveway, and then I had to figure out how to get it in the house. I mean, <laughs> that's the kind of a depth of human being you're dealing with here. The exactly that's the that's the next metal sucks headline after the uh, after the other one. Not, sorry not for the mass the casualties, people. but had to figure out how to put his own refrigerator in the house. <laughs> Very sorry. <laughs> um, well, it's fun. It must be fun, I imagine, for you to to promote a record. It's it's been a little while since you released something. Uh, what's that been like? Kind of getting back into the grind. You know, so far, I mean, I I, I mean, you know me. So I mean, for, I've never been concerned with the promotion end of it to that degree. I mean, I've always just wanted to make music and 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 fully aware that some days people are going to think you're the greatest thing that ever happened. And then if you're around long enough, people will despise your existence and then hopefully go, hey, he wasn't really that bad. I really like him. And you just kind of ride through those waves. So my, my focus has always been on music. So I'm kind of cautiously optimistic because the feedback's been so nice and, 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 and polite 
what that means in this day and age, whether the record sells one record or a thousand or 10,000 or whatever that even means, whatever success means anymore, is just kind of like icing on the cake in the sense of, I mean, I hope it does well. It's always nice, but it's the creativity part of it and to continue to make music is really just where my head's at right now at this point in my life. That's great. It's a great position to be in and uh, certainly an enviable one that, that a lot of folks wish they, they were. So, you know, I mean, congrats yeah, on reaching that level of success. More, there's a lot of people far more talented than me that are working construction. Hey, man, I know. That's the truth. That's the truth. It's tough. I mean, like most of the bands that uh, I was talking to early on in the pandemic, you know, like my first question is like, are you going to be able to survive this? You know, like this is going to last at least, you know, at the time, this is like, probably April, I started doing these interviews, you know, and it was like, we were like, Oh, maybe by fall, but probably not, you know, like sometime right. next year, maybe, you know, and like, now, of course, we know that was very naive to even think in those terms, we're looking at like this fall 2021, maybe, you know, and like, yeah, for most everything goes right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and for most musicians, you know, just the ability, uh, the inability, excuse me, to, to tour for that period of time, well, not, only, just not only detrimental, them, just horrif you know, horrifying, but all these venues, you know, rock with music oh, know. Yeah. and hotel. I mean, all across and all the bartenders and all the staff and, you know, touring crew and, and, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's just been an absolute obliteration of, everything we came to count on. I mean, I'm, I'm super fortunate in the sense that I grew up earlier in a different time and had success in a different time. And, uh, you know, I've been a pro professional musician since I'm 18 is I haven't worked a regular job. Um, so it doesn't go, you know, it, it doesn't go past me that, you know, I'm living in rarefied air while not necessarily you two or Led Zeppelin in strat, you know, in, 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 in career achievements, I'm still really, really fortunate to have been able to, survive this and be prepared to weather it and a lot of people aren't and you know I've, I've tried to make sure i've done what i can to help raise money or in the new record there's a big you know support the national independent venue association and yes. try to do anything we can to you know uh, because it's gonna suck when we all come out of this and like hey we all lived but there's no venues left I other know. than live nation you know the mega domes yeah. which you know i'm sure the rolling stones are going to survive just fine but all these other things that you know everybody else relies on i don't know how they're going to stay around no i know man and you know and and we've been feeling it too certainly like a lot of our advertisers were venues you know and then just like literally overnight uh you know like march 14th like everyone just canceled their orders you know and it's like fuck <laughs> you know uh yep. like thankfully you know uh keeping things in perspective we're all right thankfully we have other sources of income that aren't venues you know but the, but that that hurts it does you know and uh you know and i certainly don't want to diminish what the the band members are going through like you said the venues the uh people the service people who keep those places all up and running i mean it's just it's it's terrible right now i think uh, it's it's interesting when you it, it's really pointed out and made very very clear that music as a whole is is one ecosystem yes so from you to the band, to the venue, to the merch companies, to the, you know, whether we like it or not, we're all connected somehow. <laughs> and it, it, this is not like one of those things that just hurt one of us. You know, it, it's like, it, it, it's, 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 you know, it, it's, uh, I never would have anticipated, I don't think anybody would have, but the, just the whole climate, the whole world just seems off its accent. It seems like a horrible Monty Python sketch. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you're you're right. The interconnectiv interconnectivity of it 
is really something, you know, I never really thought about it in those terms. Like, this is kind of a, a weird anecdote, but uh, when the most recent Metallica album came out, so this was 2016, um, you know, I forget when in the year it was, but, you know, anytime there's a big album, a few months before the album comes out, you start hearing about it, right? You know, it's like there's the artwork and there's the teasers and there's, you know, all these things and, you know, and eventually the singles and the videos and the tours. And I came to realize from the media perspective, like how good a new Metallica album was for me, particularly just because there's shit to write about every day. And no one in the metal world cares about any band more than Metallica. And then I kind of kept thinking about that concept. And I'm like, wow, well, like really Metallica spawn an entire economy that's like way bigger than, you know, any of this stuff. There's obviously like, you know, I get maybe the label does an ad buy. There's stuff to write about. So, you know, we can monetize that traffic. There's going to be a tour. There's going to be ad buys there, of course. And then there's, you know, all the people, uh, the, the tour crew, however many people go on tour with Metallica, like a massive number, all the merch companies they order their merch from, all the uh, beer vendors at the stadium, the parking attendant, just like, you know, and, and you add it all up. And I mean, you must be looking at like billions of dollars of it's revenue. It's like the GDP of a small country. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Like when you really look at it, uh, you know, and like someone should do that. It's just like, what is the GDP of Metallica? Like, what do you like? You know, it's it's nuts. It's just like I, I never thought about uh, the mu music in that holistic kind of way before, you know, but like it really yeah, I mean, it's what we're seeing now, too, with the venues. And and. and, and like with any disaster, it's, it feels like, I mean, I remember when, you know, owning a label when, you know, uh, overnight, you know, when we started our label, like 80% of our sales were through Best Buy, uh, yeah. CD set. And overnight, that was gone. It was just like, no, no, we're not doing that anymore. Now we're all going to this. And uh, the music business seems to be like the, the first industry to get crushed and the last to get helped. Yeah. It's like, you know, Bandwidth wasn't fast enough to put movie theaters in danger yet. But it's like, it always seems like musicians and, and that music kind of ecosystem gets crushed first. And then when everything's starting to come back and grants and governmental help and all, everyone's like, well, who cares about that? Because no one's leaving their house. So the, the fact that there's no local venue doesn't matter right now. Right. I you mean, know, and just like people just don't really think about it unless they're forced to. You know, and, and I experienced this just talking with friends I haven't spoken to in a while or, you know, how are you doing? And I explain what I just did to you about, you know, the venues and advertising and all that. And they're like, oh, yeah, like that sucks. Wow. You know, like people just don't necessarily think about things that aren't right in front of them. And I mean, yeah, unfortunately, goes, our government wasn't either. No, no, of course not. But I mean, it goes so much, you know, and you can just keep going from that. Like, OK, even a venue like Rockwood Music Hall, well, they're buying thousands and thousands of dollars of craft brewery beers from right. a guy who's making them, you know, not obviously the big ones, but the smaller companies. And now though that is multiplied across every venue in the Northeast. And now that guy's in danger. And it's a, yeah, it's a whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that the world will take a deep breath and hopefully we've hit rock bottom, if not bounced a few times on the bottom here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really it, it, it's it's got to go one way or the other at this point. I mean, it's got to truly be the end of times or the world has to take a deep breath and go, well, that didn't really work out so well for us. Let's let's try to figure it out. But, you know, 
Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think sometime in the fall sounds about right for a return to live music that that feels right, maybe a little bit later. Uh, you know, the vaccine rollout has been quite botched so flawless. far. So yeah, <laughs> completely flawless. Everybody's vaccinated right now. Just totally fine. Couldn't have drawn it up any better. Oh my God. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the people who said 2022 were right. It yeah, I mean, just... Like I said, I'm trying to be optimistic and people are trying to get me now because there's a little bit of momentum. They're like, let's book fall, let's book fall. And I'm like, I don't want to book stuff and cancel stuff because there's a pain in the, you know, you go through all the effort and everybody along the lines all, and uh, on the other so hand, I'm, I'm, if you don't book, you're going to be waiting and, probably until 2023 because everyone else is booking. So, exactly. you know, so you're you, caught in that position, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic. So we're going to try to say fall, but I'm mentally prepared for next, you know, it to go beyond that because even with the vaccination, you still have half the country that, you know, meanwhile, these people will eat boiled pig feet at a seven 11 with monster energy drink. But now they're, <laughs> now they're concerned with the content of a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, you but, need that 44 ounce Slurpee baby. So, but, but I mean, hopefully, you know, if, if half the people who are saying they're not going to get it, or not, that's only going to prolong it. It just seems like we've done every possible thing to screw it up. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, well, we haven't had leadership. There's been no leadership at the the highest level. Yeah, it just doesn't make things any better. So, yeah. Uh, what are you What are you keeping yourself busy with in the meantime? Uh, you know, I know you're you're writing every day. It sounds like in the studio more or less, which is great. Are yeah. Are you working on specific projects? Um, just staying creative. I mean, I, I, now knowing, kind of getting a timeline, a rough timeline together, what the rest of the year is going to look like. Part of me feels like I should go into start you know, use the time and make part two of this and get a bunch more friends that I didn't get a chance. I mean, I was even talking at one point about collaborating with, uh, on a song with Corey Taylor and, uh, you know, Joel Hoekstra's a buddy of mine. We're going to do stuff and, uh, hopefully do stuff. And, uh, I was going to reach out to all these different friends of mine and just try to do another section of what we just did. Um, because when something works well, I feel like abusing it to the point until it absolutely goes horribly wrong. And <laughs> never, you know, just... I'm the same way, beat it into the ground. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but so, yeah, maybe try to make a part two of this and then, you know, start to ramp up. Uh, It's going to be an ambitious record to take live, to take out live a lot of moving parts in terms of the music. So start to get ready for that. And uh, yeah, man, I was hoping for the best. That's that's very cool, man. Uh, But like, are you working on stuff? Do you do you record other bands still? I mean, I know the label has been operating for a while. But uh, we kind of laid low. Yeah, I mean, I just haven't when we first started, I, I, I found all these things that I was just, you know, whether it's sixth. Skindred, uh, early on Nonpoint, uh, Carnival, these bands, just, I was right. finding these things and I was just like, my, how does the world not know about this? And as of recently, and this does not say they don't exist, I just haven't found or had that feeling again, like the way I did it amongst a lot of our roster. Um, so we've kind of been laying low, the label's still in existence and it's something I definitely want to continue to do. I just want to want to make sure I, I do my best work when I am blindly passionate about everybody in the world needs to hear this. And I also want to make sure that in this day and age with the shape of our music business that I can affect a positive change for someone's career and not just be a leech on top of a system that should just be their own thing. Uh, How noble of you. (laughs) 
In theory, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, you were really uh, ahead of the game with a lot of those bands there, though. I mean, you know, you were right. Like, uh, you know, Carnival, that was way before they, they broke anywhere. I mean, I would say, you know, Skindred maybe never caught on in the U.S. in the way that they did other places. But I, I think certainly their most successful period abroad was uh, kind of under your stewardship, um and uh oh sixth you know i mean they they broke up on or i guess they got back together but you know like way ahead of the game on the whole gent thing there so i yep. mean those were some pretty important records there i was lucky i mean I, I don't you know i don't think it's due to my singular genius but uh i was able to be around those guys at the right time and just hear music that i thought like, like anybody else does. i mean like when you hear something at the mag you know whatever you know when, the web, whatever you hear and you're just like this is the shit people got to hear this that's the way I operated the label. As soon as I heard something or saw something that I felt, you know, for the most part, uh, felt that way about. I mean, and it, you know, it's the same feeling you get when you're writing music or you're being creative. When I see something that's great, I just want to be around it. If I have to sweep the stage or lift amps, whatever, I just want to. Somehow, I got to be involved in trying to help this and hear have more people hear it. So, yeah, I mean, I th you look at Sick. I mean, I think them and maybe Mashuga are singularly responsible for what became Periphery and yeah, you know. Maybe the prog, the whole prog gent metal movement, grew out of those. Well, I would say like sixth were the bridge, kind of between Mashuga and those bands, right? Yeah. You know, maybe you could throw like a Textures in there. You know, that was another band that was kind of on that same wavelength at that time. It's so ahead of the game, you know, yeah. and uh, and just brilliantly talented. And so yeah, there's a it's a career highlight to even be remotely associated with those guys. That's cool. So, uh, so what you're saying is, is uh, you'll be producing the new Iced Earth record, John Schaefer. Yes. You know, like fully. Uh, in this, this, he's in the kitchen right now making some iced tea. Uh, oh, cool. Is he like, you know, shooting it up, just kind of, you know, like with a, an AK-47, just putting holes in the iced tea? <laughs> what a world! What a world! What so you're world. hosting a fugitive. That's what it is. <laughs> A, a patriot, according to a patriot, yes, yes, a patriot. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of bummed out Iced Earth fans this week and last week. Very sad, but you know, you know, no, you not do? to make light of it. I guess there's a lot of passion on all sides of whatever. But man, it's just the, the world. Find I mean, people life on is both too sides. Short as it is, do we have to end it this way? I mean, it's so hard to just exist as a human being day to day. Why do we have to be hell bent on making it even worse? I don't understand. I'm not trying to be John Lennon here, and I'm not trying to have a kumbaya moment. But, I mean, doesn't everybody have a hard enough time, like, just paying your rent or, like, you know, getting along with your wife or making sure your kid eats food? Like, isn't it hard enough without, like, these imaginary uh, issues of hatred to, to, to whip it up? I mean, let's go back to hating each other like we used to for real reasons. Right? Like. Come on, man. Like, like old school. Yeah, like your tree's growing over my fence and it's in my property, right. motherfucker. Right. That's Come on. Like, then club the guy. I'm on your side. Right. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, on that note, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you and uh, very excited to see this record come out here. January 22nd, Frontiers. Uh, the record is called Songs for the Apocalypse. And uh, as, as we mentioned at the top of the show, tons of really cool special guests on it so uh thank you again jason and uh we'll, hey, we'll catch up with you soon thank you for having me and uh stay safe <laughs> <laughs>